This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I want to say a couple of things uh, to us as, as we get started. Uh, boy, I am so excited about this uh, Not a Fan series. Are you, are you amped up about that? Yes, indeed. It's going to be great. I've I got to tell you this, though. As we jump into it, you know, the, the, the question is going to be, are we a fan or a follower? And I can tell you already from having previewed the material that it's going to push us. Okay? So I want you to be ready to get pushed a little bit. But I want you to put yourself sort of in the context of an athlete. And an athlete is striving uh, for this specific time to achieve a personal best. Whatever their personal best is, they say, I want to push that envelope a little bit further. And I just want to say for all of us, we're all at different scales of, of following Christ. And some of us are brand new to this stuff. And I'll talk to us in, in just a little bit. And some of us have been at it for years. But the deal is, whether you're brand new or whether you've been following Christ for a long time, during the next 12 weeks, make yourself this promise. At whatever level I'm following Christ today, I I want by the end of this 12 weeks to be at a new personal best with Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody? What a great thing. I want to be at a new personal best with Jesus. And so, welcome to that journey. We're going to begin to unfold that this morning. I want to say something to those of you who are brand new to new life. Welcome to church. There was a period, there was a time in every single one of our lives when we were that guest. We were brand new. We walked into this place and we assumed everybody here knew everybody else. That's not true. Let me just bring, put that myth to, to death right now. Most of us here don't know everybody else here. In fact, there's nobody in this room that knows everybody else here. I can tell you that for sure. So, uh, welcome. You're here. That means you're just as much a part of us as we are. That you're equally welcome this morning. And uh, we are on the front end of a 12-week uh, journey as a church called Not a Fan. And uh, we want to welcome you along on that journey. You'll, you'll see us uh, using two very important pieces of paper. So I want you to take your programs, all of us take your programs out, pull out the, the teaching notes. You're going to need those. It's a place for you to, to fill in the blanks and then write down additional notes as I teach. And the second is this long skinny card we call the connect card because it gives all of us the opportunity to connect with our staff. And one of the great things that God has done in our church just all along from day one is there's this wonderful flow of prayer requests from the church to the staff and the staff prays through those. And a couple weeks ago, we had one of our newer volunteers who came to me and said, you know, I just got done typing up all the prayer requests. There were 96 prayer requests this week. That's nothing unusual for our church. That's just how God rolls here. So if you've got something going on in your life, even if this is your first time here, and you want the staff to pray about that, uh, we love to do that. We have a whole prayer team that prays through that as well. There's a place on the back for you to put prayer requests to ask for information. It's your, it's your way of connecting with our staff. Right now, on the front side, 
Make sure that you put your name and your email address so we know who that's connected with. I took my first venture into the business world at six years of age. Probably like most of you, my older brother and I, on a hot, humid day where even in the shade back in Iowa, it felt like a wet sauna, we decided to open a lemonade stand. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, of course you have. We were going into business. We were getting ready to make a fortune. You couldn't get a better business climate for a lemonade stand than a 100-degree Iowa day and about 95% humidity. So we went in. My mom helped us with our brew. My dad helped us with the card table and the sign. We went out to the edge of the country road where we lived and we set up for business and we were ready to rake in some profits. There were, however, a couple of problems in our business plan. We lived in a remote area of Iowa where the cars came by about one every half hour. We had a definite problem with customer count. Second problem was we lived right over the brow of a hill. So where we set up our lemonade stand, the cars would crest the hill at about 50 or 60 miles an hour, and we were like 150 feet down there, right? And by the time they could see the stand, they were, they were past us and they'd have to slam on their brakes and back up to get to our lemonade stand. That was not likely to happen. But the third problem with our business plan was worse than the first two put together. We lived on a gravel road. And when you're 10 feet from the road and a car goes by at 60 miles an hour, it, it creates this vast dust storm behind the, behind the vehicle and it's like, ah, and you can, your teeth are gritty and it gets in your eyes and it leaves not the most pleasant looking film on your lemonade. <laughs> you know, it took me all of about 45 minutes to realize I had one of my first major decisions to make in life. Was I going to follow my lemonade stand dream out to its conclusion? Or was I just going to be a fan of lemonade stands? I made the only wise decision at that point. I packed up my lemonade stand and I went home and said, there has to be something better to do than eat dust on this hot day in Iowa. Because frankly, I was not in business I was a fan. It's not just in the lemonade stand world or even in the business world where we get faced with that decision. Frankly, we face that decision far more often in the world of relationships. Take a look. DTR. Some of you will recognize what those letters stand for. If you're not sure, let me help you out. If you are a young man in a relationship with a young woman, then uh, chances are these letters are enough to strike fear into your heart. You may run away from, postpone, you may dread the DTR talk. Some young men will even terminate a relationship if they feel like the DTR talk is imminent. 
It is that official talk that takes place in every romantic relationship. Do you know what it stands for, DTR? Define the relationship. You sit down and you decide where things are going. Have things moved from casual to committed? I remember this uh, date I went on in high school. On the very first date, the girl tried to have the DTR talk with me. First date, DTR. I got out of their PDQ. I just ran away. So, some of us have some memories of some awkward moments around the DTR talk, right? Sure we do. I guess more than anything else, over the next 12 weeks, what Jesus is wanting to have with each one of us is the DTR talk. He wants to know, hey, where do I stand with you? Now, I get it. Some of us are more at a first date relationship with Jesus. We're not actually ready for the DTR talk. And the great thing about Jesus is he's fully understanding of that. He's never, ever, ever been about pressure, and he never will be. And, and at this church, we're never, ever, ever about pressure. We want to do everything we can to welcome you into a personal, loving, and dynamic relationship with Jesus. But friends, the choice will always be yours. Jesus won't ever force himself on you. But he starts with an invitation, and I want us to go straight to the invitation that Jesus made one day to people who were his followers. And I'll break this passage out for us a little bit. But let's start with the invitation that Jesus gave. It's found here in Luke chapter 9. He, Jesus, said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, there's the invitation, then he lays it out. You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, it doesn't, I mean, when you look at that, does that sound serious? Of course it does. Anytime someone says, take up a cross, he's not talking about a piece of jewelry you hang around your neck. He was talking about something that was used to put people to death. And when he says, you have to turn from your selfish ways, that's serious stuff. If you sat down with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you're having the DTR talk, and you said to them, hey, can we move beyond casual to sort of committed? And they looked at you and said, well, the first thing you have to do is you have to turn from your selfish ways. That would be a serious DTR talk right there. Yeah, and if they broke out the cross thing, you would, you would probably run, right? Now, I want, let's talk a little bit about this crowd. This is not an average crowd. Jesus made that invitation out in the wilderness, out in the country. And, and the people who were there, how did they get there? They got there by walking. Some of them had walked several miles. These people were huge fans of Jesus. I want you to picture Jesus outside our town, out in one of these sort of dairy farm areas where there's lots of space and very few people. And I want you to picture Petaluma without any cars. And the only way that you can get there is you've got to walk out to where that dairy is, or you've got to get on your donkey and ride your donkey out to where that dairy is. But you have decided that there's this teacher out there who's doing some amazing things and you don't want to miss out. So you jump on your donkey and you ride several miles out to the dairy and you spend the day listening to him. 
These people are huge fans of Jesus. But Jesus wants them to know that the question of the day is not, are you a fan? But do you want to follow? Because by definition, if you look up here, the definition of a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. And for most of us, we move from a place of disconnection with God to begin to move into a place of connection with Him by becoming a fan of Jesus. We go to church, and we like how it feels, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But it begins to call us into the beginning of a relationship. But you know, Jesus wants us to know that the deal is not just that we would become a fan, an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus, and think he was even God in the flesh. Because the great things happen in life, and I want you to hear this clearly, the great things happen in life when we cross over from being a fan to being a follower. And that's our journey. That's our journey. Because... Jesus was never interested in fans. He never cared about having enthusiastic admirers. Jesus wasn't on an ego trip where he wanted a bunch of groupies who thought he was great. Jesus was interested in showing us the way to live life and saying to us, anybody interested in living like this? I want to show you how life was meant to be and I want to call you along on that journey so that you don't stand in the background and applaud me for living a great life but you get in line behind me and and it's sort of like the conga line you know what I'm talking about whatever Jesus does we do I love the song that a worship team just let us in I will follow you where you go I'll go what you do I'll do that's the deal Because Jesus never cared much about having fans. Several different times in his ministry, Jesus chose to just sort of take a time out, draw a line in the sand and say, okay, all the fans, you can stay over there. All the followers come over here. And he usually did it by posing a challenge or asking a question. And we're going to sum them up in three today. And we'll move through them rather quickly, but they are super important. And the first is we have to know why are we here? Why'd you come to church this morning? In other words, Jesus wants to know, what's your because? If we were to start the sentence, I'm here because, Jesus wants to know, what's the end of that? One day, vast crowd of people. It was, at the, it was really at the height of Jesus' popularity. And a vast crowd of people were following him. Now listen, this is even hard for me to comprehend in our modern times. There were so many people following Jesus on a daily basis that they would have filled every single NBA arena today. So if you went where the Golden State Warriors play, there were more people following Jesus every day than you could put in that arena. I mean, it was crazy. 
And Jesus was sort of out in the wilderness, and the people were coming out in these huge crowds. And one day after he had been teaching them all day long, he looked at the crowd and he realized the crowd was in trouble. And they were in trouble because they'd been sitting all day in the hot sun and they had had next to nothing to eat and they had had next to nothing to drink. And Jesus knew if he sent them home, some of them might pass out or faint on the way home. And he, he just couldn't do that. So he decided to feed them. And they rustled up all the food they could find in the whole crowd. And all they could find was one little boy's lunch. It had five little tiny rolls in it and two little tiny dried up fish. And Jesus said, that'll do. And right there in front of all 15,000 or so people, there were 5,000 families there. So probably fifteen to 20,000 people. Jesus just started breaking the bread. He started parceling out the fish and the more bread he broke, the more there was. And, and he fed all 5,000 families and then sent them home happy and with their tummies all full. Now, friends, when there's a frenzy around you to begin with and you start doling out free food, guess what you're going to have? The whole gang back the next day. So they all came back looking for Jesus. And that's when Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. Here's the line in the sand. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me. But not because you saw miraculous signs. And if you look at the word saw, it means not because you saw and correctly interpreted the miraculous signs. But you're out here because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You know what he's really saying to them? You're here for the show. You know what he knew about these people? Day before yesterday, he was healing people. Yesterday, he was giving out free food. And the people were back today saying, what's he going to do next? This is awesome. We've never seen anything like this. Have you seen this guy? And the more he did, the more they wanted to applaud because they were enthusiastic admirers. And Jesus said, the good stuff is on this side of the line. Not on that side of the line. Don't stand and applaud me for the life I'm living and the things that I'm doing because, because I am God in the flesh and God's working through me. Get on this side of the line because it's over here where God will work through you. And where you can actually taste what the good life is all about. And you know, as I read that, I realized that in our American churches, and actually right here at New Life, it's easy to come and be a fan of Jesus. It's easy for our church to sort of be a small stadium filled with enthusiastic fans who come because the building's nice, the coffee's good, the people are loving and accepting, the worship band is great, and besides, I love how I feel when I come here. Now listen, I wouldn't take any of that away from any of us. I love the fact that when we come, we are fully accepted in day one. I love the fact that when we come, the worship band leads us in great worship. And I love the fact that even this morning as I was standing in the back, I got moved to tears several times during our worship and I couldn't sing. Yeah, I, lo I like that. You know, if we have all that, but we're not in the conga line behind Jesus, and we're not living 
as he's called us to live, then all the good stuff, we get a taste of it sort of once a week. And Jesus calls us to be daily followers and to take up a cross daily and follow him because he wants us so badly to actually live the life that he purchased for us. So that's the first thing Jesus would say. What's your because? Secondly, he, he, he asks us another question. Not only why am I here, but am I all in? And in this case, Jesus was at a different place. It was a different crowd. He was up on the mountain. He was outside the city of Capernaum. He was up on the mountain, and this vast crowd of people had come up to him. And Jesus is delivering what is his most famous sermon, still to this day, his most quoted sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he asks this thing. He says, now look, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now what he's saying is, if you're the first part of the crowd, you're the fans over here. You're going, oh, Jesus is Lord. Yay, Jesus, way to go. But if you're willing to cross over and you're willing to do what I'm doing, you're willing to follow, now you're a follower. You know, in in the first case, Jesus was confronting our because. In the second case, He's confronting a thing that I call selective commitment. In our culture, we struggle with full commitment. We just do. You know what selective commitment is? It's code for convenient commitment. And we're far better at convenient commitment than we are full commitment. It's why as a culture... We struggle in things like marriage. It's why we struggle sometimes in lots of things that require this full commitment. And what Jesus is saying to us is it's easy to follow him when Jesus says don't steal. And we look at stealing and go, yeah, that's bad stuff. I wouldn't do that. But what about when Jesus says to us, I want you to do this. And we look at that and go, But I don't want to. It's amazing how we can take the teachings of Jesus and this portion we just fully agree with and we're on board with that. But if there's some portion of it we don't fully understand or we don't personally agree with, we take the personal liberty just to say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do it my way. Listen, friends, the people who have that mindset are still fans. It's not until we're willing to step over the line and say, even in the areas that I don't fully understand and that don't add up to me, even in those areas, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to trust Him. That we that we jump into the good life. And, and at the end, I'm going to tell you a little bit more of my story. Um, because I, I can tell you the best life happens when you step over that line and say, it's no longer conditional or selective commitment with me. I'm all in.
The third question that Jesus would ask is this. Have you made it your own? You know, this is the issue of coattail spirituality. You know, this is sort of, this is sort of, uh, how would I say this? You can do this and not even know you're doing it. One day Jesus is standing in the temple and he's surrounded by the religious leaders of the day. And, and these people have this sort of mindset that, well, we are the Jews. We are God's chosen people. We are the direct descendants of Abraham. In fact, they had even come, come to the point that they had called themselves children of Abraham. So here we are. We're God's chosen people. We're the direct descendants of Abraham. And we're standing in the very temple of God. If there's anybody who's in, it's us. Right? We're in. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the things Abraham did. Wow. It was another line in the sand. Listen, it's easy to come to church and, and yeah, we all sort of got invited. Some of us drove to church. You know what I'm talking about? But someone who really loves us and really cares about us, and we came, and the next thing you know, well, we kind of like that teaching because we learned some stuff about life. And we kind of like that music because the music is really good. And we sort of, we really like the people because, boy, the, the culture in the church is so different from the culture in the rest of the world. And it feels so good and it feels so healthy and it feels so right. And the deal is, here we are at church singing beautiful songs, listening to the teachings of God's Word. We got to be in. If there's anybody who's in, it's us. But Jesus is saying, no, you have a choice to make. I love what Justin said to us around communion. Jesus took care of the cross, but the response is up to us. And Jesus is calling us. You don't just sort of start out in this crowd and ooze across this line and you don't know when you got here. You start as a fan, but there's that day in your life when you say, I'm moving from this side of the line to that side of the line. And now you make it your own. I was raised in a family. I went to church every Sunday as a kid and usually two or three times between Sundays because my dad was the pastor and that's just how we rolled. Okay, But I reached a time when I was 12 years of age where I realized this had to be mine. I had to make that choice. I wanted to make that choice. And there are probably many in our audience this morning who need to make that choice. You've been brought here by your husband or your wife or your parents or a neighbor, or a co-worker, and they genuinely care about you. But the one thing they cannot do for you is make that choice. Because Jesus gives that one to you. Now, as we wrap up, I want us to go back to that original verse that we read where Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, and I want us to read the verse right after it, because this is where he sort of lays it out for us in terms of what this looks like. 
Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, he, he makes this sort of crazy statement. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to what? You're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you are going to save it. You're going to find it. And i got to tell you, right up front, that's pretty counterintuitive, isn't it? If someone says, if you just let go of this thing, you're going to get it? Well, you remember the lemonade stand. I let go of the lemonade stand, and frankly, I've never been sorry I let go of that, all right? But if you fast forward a few years in my life, and I, I often share with you st- struggles and stuff that I have in life, but this morning I want to tell you about a decision I made that changed my life forever. I was 23 years of age. I just graduated from Bible college. And I had a decision to make. It wasn't what was I going to do with my Saturday afternoons like the lemonade stand. But this, this decision was far more serious and the stakes were a lot higher because it was, what was I going to do with my life? I was happily employed by UPS my last two and a half years in Bible college. And two offers came my way at exactly the same time. One was from UPS. Corporate exec flew down from the big city, came in, took me out to breakfast, and said, Ron, we we have an offer to make you. You show lots of promise. We would like to move you into management. He laid out for me a big salary. He laid out for me a cash bonus. He laid out for me a retirement plan and said, in 15 years, you can retire with this much money guaranteed. I've got the contract right here. I was 23. 15 years would have made me 38, right? That's my offer. At the same time, I got an offer from a tiny little church in the inner city of Portland, Oregon. 25 people. $600 a month. No benefits. No retirement plan. And oh, by the way, we need you to pay your own way to move your family from Iowa to Portland. Listen, friends. On paper, there's no comparison. But I want you to see something. The first offer was my life. It was the life that I had earned through hard work and through what I had done at United Parcel Service. That was my life. It was all there for me to take. The second life was the life that God held for me. And I remember it was it was Jesus saying, you want to hang on to your life or are you willing to let go of your life? Your life's good. There's nothing wrong with that life. And friends, I, I could have I could have just sort of theorized, okay, I'll work for UPS. I'll make a lot of money. I'll tithe on that money. I'll support missions and, 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 and that sort of thing. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. 
And that actually is the life that God calls some people to. But that was not the life that he had for me. That was my life. I chose to quit. I chose to go with Jesus. I chose to believe that. I chose to believe that if I hung on to my life, I would never have lived what was really supposed to be my life. But if I was willing to let go of it and just let it go, and I was willing to be all in with Jesus, that I would actually find the life that was supposed to be mine. So I quit my job at UPS. I packed my wife, my almost two-year-old son, and my six-months pregnant wife into a moving van, and we headed from Iowa to Oregon. I won't tell you all the details, but that was in 1974. And in the intervening years, I have lived three places. I've lived in the Pacific Northwest, I've lived in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I've lived in the Bay Area. Has God been good? If I was with UPS, I'd probably still live in that sweat box called Iowa. Yeah. In the intervening years, God has taken me around the world multiple times in spreading the gospel, and I've met some of the neatest people in the world. And here I am, with you, getting to love on the people of my favorite church in the whole world. And I'm getting a front row seat to hundreds of people having their lives changed by Jesus. Where in my life, I probably would have been golfing a couple of times a week, telling stale jokes to a couple of old codgers, And trying to convince myself that this was the life. I just want you to know. When Jesus says. If you try to hang on to your life. You might even make it a good life. But if you're willing to let go of it. You will get the life of a lifetime. More than anything else. I hope that we as a church and that each one of us individually over this next 12 weeks that we will say, I won't be on this side of the line. And I know, I just want you to know, Jesus will confront in your life that portion of your life that you're still a fan in. By the way, that's my prayer for me. There's still areas of my life that I'm a fan, I'm not a follower. I I don't know what all of them are, but my prayer for me during this 12 weeks is that Jesus will bring to the surface those next areas of my life where I'm still a fan so that he and I together can deal with that and I can be all in there too. Three ways we can apply this. The first is this. We can work this daily journal three times. I I know most of you, virtually all of you, have bought one of these. I want to say something to you. I said it last week. I want to say it one more time. This journal, it it will help. It gives the context. 
in which Christ can bring to the surface the areas of your life where you're still a fan. Okay? And, and, and so I want to say to you, especially to those of you who are overachievers, okay? There is no reward for saying, I know there's a morning, noon, and night here. I do them all in the morning. I'm ahead of the game. No, you're cheating. That makes sense? Christ wants to meet with you three times a day. Give them all three. And for those of you who are underachievers and think, I'll do them all on Saturday. It's my day off. Okay? No. Okay? So that's the first thing. You can say, that's what I'm going to do. Three times a day, I'm going to walk with Jesus and I'm going to trust Him in that. Secondly, some of us have been away from Christ for a long time. And for whatever reason, you're back in church today. And you know that Christ is saying to you, it's not just about coming back to church once or twice. It's about saying, this is where I need to be all the time. And I need to be walking with Christ all the time. And not in sometimes and out sometimes. Well, then this is your time to say, okay, I'm back and I'm back for good. And then last of all, if you haven't made that decision to become a Christian, that's where the journey begins with Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Father, I pray for my friends as they take this journal. God, would you speak to them right now and would you help them to get all in with you every day, three times a day for the next 12 weeks. And Father, would you help that just to be a pattern in our lives? We have those three times a day where we just draw alone to be with you for a little while. And, and, and get back centered in you. And Father, would you bring to the surface of our lives those areas that are, we're still fans in. And Lord, um, would you be with those who are here this morning that need to return to you? Would you speak to them in their heart right now? Would you help them to know it? Would you help them to respond and to say, yes, 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 I'm back with Jesus, right where I should have been all along, and I'm here to stay. And then, Lord, for those of us that, that we are ready and we've sort of been on a first date relationship with you and we recognize that it's time for us to get in with you and not just to be hanging around the fringes, but to be fully in. Would you help us to do that? I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.